0: preview of Kentucky. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've seen going back and watching their games from this year. Just my observations of Kentucky in those games and then a little bit about what we might see at Davis Wade from Kentucky on Saturday night. This is Better Than Average, episode 19, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Better Than Average. You play football. Uh, Football? Oh juggernaut of a podcast better than average like a radio show that's not on the radio coach it's a great day for you huh yeah it's better than average i'll tell you that (laughs) what to make of the kentucky wildcats they are what six and one coming into this ball game ranked in the top 15 i think deservedly so but i do think it's a game that state can win if they play well tell you what i think about kentucky and we can maybe learn a little bit about them together i've Put the work in this week going back and watching. I'll just tell you some of my observations and then y'all see what you think about it. Better than average is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online at MSlandbank.com. So it's anything land related, buying or selling, and anything to do with land, whether it's big farmland, small farmland, recreational property, you know, hunting, that type of thing, a place to build a home, anything like that in North Mississippi, go to Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online, the people to get in touch with, and which office at mslandbank.com. Start right there. All right, Kentucky is 6-1 and coming into this ballgame. They are second over there in the east behind Georgia. They're coming off the loss to Georgia, but had an open date this past weekend, right? So they've they've been off for a couple weeks. They might have been able to get their open date which is a smart time to have it, which is after playing the best team on your schedule as opposed to (laughs) right before, but uh, that's another debate for another show. Uh, So their only loss was their most recent game back on the 16th of October in Georgia. I'm going to take a look at that one, but what I will do is I went and watched every game they've had this year, Uh, all seven games, they started out with back-to-back home games against Monroe and then Missouri. Then I'm sorry, three straight home games: Monroe, Missouri, and Chattanooga. Then they went on the road to South Carolina. Came back to Lexington for back-to-back home games with Florida and LSU, and then, of course, uh, two weeks ago at Georgia. So they're six and one, and. Their only loss, like I said, at Georgia on the road. They've only played, to this point, two true road games. Okay, so when you look at their schedule overall, uh, their six wins, was five of those at home and one on the road. And that one road game they won at South Carolina, that's not a very good South Carolina team, but at South Carolina, it was a 16-10 to 10 ball game. And uh, Kentucky tried to turn it over some, and we'll tell you about that. So, the first half of their season loaded with home games, now an open date after seven games, and the remaining five games now in the schedule for them, including this week, three out of the five are on the road. they at at Starkville this weekend. Then they'll come back, host Tennessee. Then they go to Vandy, host New Mexico State, finish up the year at Louisville. This is the thing that jumps out to me about their schedule. Kentucky is a good team. I mean, you know, they don't, the players don't make the schedule. Uh, they play who they play, but it's not in context a very tough schedule. Um, when you look at really the the two toughest ball games on their schedule are theoretically at Georgia last time, and then now at Mississippi State. Now I know they hosted Florida and LSU back to back, and they won both those games. To get tremendous credit for that, Florida. A team that has shown that even though they were ranked number 10 when they played Kentucky was, you know, very much overrated. I don't think Florida's in the top 25 now. Whether that matters or not is is up to you. But Florida, a team that, you know, didn't have all its T's crossed and I's dotted. And then the next week against LSU, I watched the LSU game. I know LSU has that win in Sarpville earlier this year. But by the time they played Kentucky and Lexington in early October, certain parts of their team, particularly their defense and defensive front, looked to me like they were just kind of going through the motions in that game against Kentucky, and Kentucky had a lot to do with that. But overall, again, I just don't think it's turned out to be all that tough of a schedule for them. Certainly not when you look at at stretches of their schedule. Like the first four weeks was Monroe, Missouri, Chattanooga, South Carolina. When you look at the last Three weeks of the season are going to for them are going to be Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville. You know, they could have played that four game stretch at the beginning of the year: Monroe, Missouri, Chattanooga, South Carolina. Go four and zero. Go three zero in the remaining stretch of the season. The last three weeks: Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Louisville. And your seven win team right there. If you lose all the rest of them, you know, so it's just not a very tough schedule, and. So coming into this one, just the third true road game for them. <clears throat> like I said, the first one they had on the road with South Carolina didn't really play that well. Uh, they lose at Georgia two weeks ago, thirty to thirteen, but were pretty competitive uh, in the early part of the game, and and then Georgia just pulled away like you expected them to do. All right, so they um, I'll give you some thoughts here. And, uh, but let's go through the games first. All right? So we'll start with week one. First game of the season for Kentucky was against Louisiana Monroe. Early in that ball game, uh, Louisiana Monroe got a tipped interception, went on down, got a penalty that gave them a first down, and, and La Monroe stuck it in the end zone and went up 7 to nothing early in that ball game. But then, you know, it was just – all downhill from there, really, for Kentucky. They dominated the game from there on out. And what you saw was they would go max protect a good bit, which would be like nowadays max protection is keeping a tight end and a back in there, so seven-man protection. And down the field, Louisiana Monroe could not cover them down the field. And so they did a nice job scouting and and then also making the calls during the game to realize, hey, look, all we got to do, we can keep people in, But all we got to do is pick one side or the other. We can put two and sometimes three out in a route, get one guy deep, and they just can't cover us deep. So this was Will Levis's first game for Kentucky out of the gates. He's playing a team that can't cover his guys down the field. Went max protect, gave him a clean pocket, and I think three times in a game he just completed bombs down the field. Um, And so that was pretty much it. I mean, Levis in that first game threw for 367 yards, four touchdowns, and get this, Louisiana Monroe, in, in spite of going up seven nothing early, had 87 yards of total offense in that game against Kentucky's defense. It was just a dominating win uh, to start the season, and an obvious difference um, in in the speed of those two teams at the skill positions. And so they won their first game, 45 to 10. All right, in week two they played Missouri. So they came into week two, 1-0 in the year. They're hosting Missouri. And this was actually a close kind of back-and-forth game. And Missouri had the football in the fourth quarter with a chance to go tie it up. The final score was 35-28. And they just couldn't get it done there at the end of the fourth quarter. But had a chance. Uh, Basilac, the quarterback for Missouri, he's the same age as Will Rogers, uh, threw it 51 times in the game for 294 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. The number was 34 of 51 in terms of his completion, so whatever percentage that is, I'll punch it up uh, real quick. So he was at 67% completion for 294 yards, four touchdowns, and the one pick, and he threw it well. And in terms of scouting what Kentucky's defense may look like in their alignment, in their coverages, and that kind of stuff, watching them against Missouri probably gives you the best idea of of what they may do against state because Missouri was a lot of shotgun, uh, two-by-two, four-wides, three-by-one, four-wides, some empty but not a lot. And so at least just in terms of routes and number of passes and formations and stuff, Missouri might be the closest thing to Mississippi State that Kentucky has seen this year. So if you want to go back and watch that, it might give you an idea. And like I say, the quarterback completed you know, a pretty good number, 34-51, 294, four TDs, had the one pick. The thing was, Missouri's defense could not stop Kentucky from running the ball. That's how Kentucky scored their 35 points. Uh, Rodriguez, the number one back for Kentucky, rushed for 207 yards and two TDs against Missouri. As a team, Kentucky ran the ball for 341 yards in that Missouri game. They had three different players that had rushing touchdowns, and that's how they won it. So they're 2-0, and then they were hosting Chattanooga. Now this is a little bit of a head-scratcher right here. They're hosting Chattanooga, and this was a close game. Kentucky had to beat Chattanooga 28-23. It was certainly closer than they wanted it to be, and Chattanooga just kept hanging around by making plays and, and running the football. All right, Kentucky jumped up on Chattanooga early 7 nothing. They You look at what uh, Chattanooga did. They started defensively to kind of load up against the run, and so Kentucky was able to hit some bigger throws down the field because they're playing a team. You know, Kentucky had the advantage on the line of scrimmage in terms of size and strength on both sides, and Chattanooga was trying to take a few chances to stay in the game, and they were able to. And Chattanooga created some first-half turnovers on Kentucky's end of the field. Kentucky threw an interception down there. Quarterback left it behind a receiver trying to go one-on-one, and it was a great play by the corner for Chattanooga, who picked it off. Um, There was a strip sack where they're going to sack him, and they stripped the ball out of there and recovered it. So two different times in the first half, and then early in the third quarter there was another interception. It was actually a great diving catch by Chattanooga DB. So they created some turnovers that helped them. And this was a 14-13 to 13 game starting the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, both teams put some points on the board in the fourth quarter. But Kentucky was able to hang on for a 28-23 win. Um, in big part because there was a fourth quarter 94-yard pick six for Kentucky. So... Uh, You know, in quarterback play, I thought was a big difference in the game and why Kentucky was able to win it. Because surprisingly to me, which you can't really explain it, Chattanooga was one of two games this year where Kentucky did not look like the most physical team on the line of scrimmage. And the other one was Georgia, which you expect. But you didn't expect Chattanooga to look more physical on the line of scrimmage than Kentucky, but they actually did to me watching the game. Um and this was what was curious to me, too, and I don't know if he was hurt or, or what it was, but Rodriguez had 13 carries for just 46 yards rushing in that Chattanooga game, and that was a big reason they kept it close. But Kentucky still won it 28-23, a little bit of a scare. So they're four, uh, sorry, 3-0 and and were traveling for their first road game at South Carolina. So week four, uh, Kentucky 3-0 and went to South Carolina, and won the game in Columbia, sixteen to ten. You know, low scoring, much more competitive than you would think. I don't know how much being on the road had to do with it, but they fumbled the ball a good bit against South Carolina. They lost two fumbles and threw one interception in the game. Kentucky was negative three in the turnover category in the ball game, and that's a big reason why. You know, it was close. It wound up being a one-score game, and they. Shot themselves in the foot, landing on the ground a couple of times. Defensively, Kentucky held South Carolina in that game to 216 total yards, just 58 rushing yards. So, again, another example of a game where Kentucky was the more physical team on the line of scrimmage, um, you know, particularly on the defensive side. In that one, they didn't throw it a ton, and Will Levis didn't have really a, a remarkable game throwing the ball at all for whatever reason, against South Carolina. He was 15 of 22 for just 102 yards, no touchdowns, did throw an interception in the game. They were really leaning on their run game. Rodriguez had 26 carries for 144 yards but did not have a rushing TD. So just in terms of points and explosiveness, a little out of character for Kentucky, South Carolina playing pretty well at home, created three turnovers and hung in there. And it was an ugly 16-10 win for Kentucky, but a win – that got them to 4-0. So then they're 4-0, getting ready to come back home and host Florida. So Kentucky 4-0 hosting Florida. We know the history there with you know losses and a losing streak to Florida. They broke a few years ago and then all this kind of stuff. And and one thing that I noticed early in the game, like this is one that Kentucky won the game by one touchdown, 20-13. to Florida, though, early in the ballgame, jumped out ahead because they were blocking on the offensive line. They blocked Kentucky. Kentucky's interior defensive line was getting blocked. And and they had poor tackling kind of on the back end of their defense. And it wasn't the first time this year that defensively they showed some of that. You know, and they showed it some against South Carolina and Chattanooga and Missouri that that on the back end and their secondary they missed some tackles, you know, so that showed up against Florida early in the game. <laughs> And um, and then really, what there's a couple things that got him going. One was play calling. You know, it was a crucial time in the game early, where they threw a screen, a kind of a tunnel screen out to one of the wideouts. He wears number one. He got him behind it, made two guys miss in Florida secondary, turned it into a big play, touchdown. It really got the Kentucky crowd going and got Kentucky some confidence. And then of course, you know, the big huge play there was the blocked field goal return for a touchdown that put points on the board for Kentucky and made a special team's play and get the momentum in the game and really were able to hang on to it. Um, and they also came back. you know, It was still a one-score ball game. Florida had a chance to win it. It was hanging in there. And defensively, Kentucky got a fourth-quarter interception in man-to-man trying to run a seam route up the left hash. Qu- Florida quarterback flips, throws it in there, but left it behind him just a little bit. D.B. trailing tracked him down, ran the ball down, dove and caught it, had an interception, and that kind of flipped the game. Kentucky's defense was more physical than Florida in the game. That's one thing that stood out, too. They pressured the pocket, they tackled, they hit. They had a pretty physical game on defense, which has been a trademark for them. I watch them on tape. That's what I see. Now, get this. They won the game over Florida 20-13, to and their quarterback, Will Levis, completed seven passes in the ball game. Seven passes that he completed for 87 yards. He threw one touchdown, one interception. Rodriguez, the running back, had 99 yards rushing and a touchdown in that game. It was just not an explosive game, but an example. You know, you talk about the special teams touchdown, um, the big play screen call that was the right call, right time. They just – this team has had a knack for figuring out some way to win the games which is a sign of good teams, of good chemistry, right mindset, playing the next play. They really do a nice job of that, just moving on, just play the next play, forget the last one, which is something Mike Leach is trying to get instilled here at Mississippi State. So that's the Florida win, a close one, 20-13. Next up, they hosted LSU. So Kentucky is 5-0, hosting LSU, who, you know, if things had not already started to unravel for LSU, they certainly were about to. And just watching it, you turn on the tape and watch the early part of this Kentucky and LSU game, and it's like LSU's defense just was not giving great effort, especially on their defensive line. They were just kind of going through the motions on the snap of the ball. They just stand up and look around, and it was it was pretty bad. Now, I felt like... A, You know, offensively LSU seemed to be playing pretty hard, and they ran the ball pretty hard. But Kentucky just stopped them. Um, It's like LSU's offense just got beat. I mean, pretty quickly in the game, it was twenty-one to nothing, Kentucky. Kentucky looked like a like an SEC team that was motivated and ready to play football, and LSU did not. I'll be honest with you, Uh, especially defensively, especially defensively up front. Uh, Will Levis was really efficient. 14 of 17 in the game for 145 yards and three touchdowns really efficient Rodriguez was great running the ball against LSU he had 16 carries 147 yards of touchdown that's a little over nine yards per carry 16 for 147 and another huge you know rushing game Kentucky had 330 yards rushing um, against LSU so and that was a dominant 42 to 21 win against LSU. So that put them at 6-0 and and going on the road the next week at Georgia, the number one team in the country. So Kentucky was 6-0. and They go to Georgia. Um, and, and under no circumstance was Kentucky going to go into Athens and win. Too big of a talent and depth and size and speed gap. Uh, recruiting gap, if you want to just call it that. Too big of a gap to overcome. They weren't going to go there and win um, and and really, what I felt like what happened in the game happened, and that is Kentucky was competitive early in the first quarter, and then Georgia just pulls away and pulls away, you know. And at one point, it was thirty to seven in the fourth quarter, and Kentucky got a late score. Um, <clears throat> it was a competitive first quarter. Both defensive lines, Georgia's defensive line and Kentucky's defensive line, were the most physical units, like. Frankly, Kentucky offensively was just no match for Georgia's defensive line. You could see that kind of right out of the gates. But the Kentucky defensive line versus Georgia's O-line, that was a competitive deal. I mean, you had stalemates, and Kentucky's defensive line did a nice job. You know, Pretty quickly, they were down 14 nothing. It looked like Georgia was beginning to impose their will physically on the line of scrimmage a little bit in that second quarter. But Kentucky responded. They took advantage of a couple of Georgia penalties, drove it down there, a screen pass here, a running play there, just pieced together a drive, got it down there on a goal line situation and punched it in. And it was a 14-7 to game at halftime. So, you know, it's one of those where you just really have to credit Kentucky. Again, they just kind of show the right I don't know, um, intestinal fortitude to use a uh, an oddly vague term to hang in the game and find some way to still be in it. It shows you how they they're a team that has figured out ways to win and be in there. That was a very much a positive. Now that was halftime. And you come out in the third quarter and Georgia, you know, was who they are defensively in every other way. Started to hit bigger throws off play action. They started to block better in protection. They were Georgia was up 30 to 7 late, really in the fourth quarter. And the the telling stat to me was that Kentucky um, had 51 yards rushing in the ballgame. Um, Smoke was their leading rusher. He had 14 yards. Um, Rodriguez had seven carries for seven yards against that Georgia front. Georgia's so good. But the thing about it is, you know, Will Levis forced to throw the ball more than they would want him to, but he was efficient. He kept them, at times, for a while anyway, he kept them in the game, and he kept them from being embarrassed, honestly, in the game. He was 32 of 42, 192 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and I, I have a great appreciation for that, to go 76% and throw a couple of touchdowns in a game where you're facing that front of Georgia and cannot run the ball I um, mean it could have been a lot worse uh, and he showed more of those characteristics that he's he's really he's steady. He's not flashy, but he doesn't do anything to to get them beaten and put them in adverse situations. He's a good general. You know, he's running the show, making sure guys have a chance to do what they do as skill players. So, um, there were some positive things for them. I felt like coming out of that game with Georgia in what wound up being a 30-13 to win for Georgia. And then they go to the open date and now coming into Mississippi State this weekend. So just to kind of recap, a few thoughts about Kentucky. I think you'll see this. Offensively, in terms of how they play and line up, they remind me a lot of Texas A&M. In that, that what they really want to do is run the ball. And what they probably feel like is their best player or players are their running backs. A m kind of the same way. in the same way AM would give you on one play they'd be in a shotgun, four wides, spread you out. the next play they've got a tight end on the line of scrimmage, um, you know a, a single back in there and a quarterback under center and motion and run counter off of it and some old school power game stuff, you know like they really mix up very well what they do offensively. I would think that when you play a team like this that gives you so many different looks and personnel packages, four wides, three wides and a tight end, um, You know, a tight end, two backs and two wides, shotgun, under center, so many different things they'll do during the course of a game and do it well that defensively what you have to do is just you, you don't focus so much on what are they probably going to do? You focus on what are our rules for how to line up and play man-to-man and go after their quarterback, play the run. And <clears throat> that's the thing. In terms of scheme, Kentucky reminds me a lot of of Texas A&M. And you'll remember that against Texas A&M State, a defense that doesn't give up a lot of rushing yards, they did get hit a couple of times in the run game uh, by big plays in the run game for A&M just because that's what they do, and they're good at it. You know, and you feel like – I feel like we'll see that some Saturday night. State will stop their run game some and look good, but there are going to be some times where they're going to reel off a run or two, and you just got to shake it off, line up, play the next play. The the running back, Rodriguez, for Kentucky, he's the most physical back State has played this year, maybe second only to Robinson at Alabama. He's not as big as Robinson at Alabama, but I think Rodriguez might actually be the most physical back you've played. Still got to play Bixby from Auburn, um, and, and he may be the most physical. But Rodriguez, you watch him. Well, Here's what's really impressive to me is he's always falling forward. He finishes runs. Contact is made, and then the run stops four yards past that point. He's constantly pushing guys down the field at the end of these runs, and that's going to be a real challenge for State's defense. The quarterback, Will Levis, Penn State transfer, big, strong, efficient. To me, he, you know, to me, he's well coached and has been. You can tell his footwork is good. He doesn't do a lot of crazy stuff. He doesn't take a lot of chance. You don't, you don't ever. Very seldom do you watch and you see a play where you go, "Holy cow, what is he thinking?" (laughs) You know, he's just very efficient and workmanlike within the offense the what they call it and and i don't want you to hear that and think he's not a playmaker he really kind of is it's just that he doesn't do anything to to beat himself and to beat their team he keeps them moving forward with a chance to move forward he's efficient he is consistent he doesn't you know make a lot of mistakes and lets the other guys do their job and about one or two times a year will levis i'm sorry one or two times a game will levis will make a play with his legs He'll reel off a 12-yard run for a first down or even zone read stuff that's called where he pulls it and makes plays and and he'll have a touchdown run every now and then. You know, he he's a good athlete, doesn't mind contact. I think it was maybe LSU when he had a run where man contact was made and he took on three or four defenders and took them about twenty yards down the field. So he's he's efficient. Um, and I have a lot of appreciation for the way that he plays. This game will be a game of consistency. Which team can be the most consistent on offense? And that's a challenge for state because state has been explosive at times, very explosive at times. But you still would say that state is an offense looking for tremendous consistency. You know, they they had a consistent night against NC State. Um, they certainly did against Texas A&M. But even in those two games, and even in a game like you know the Vandy one, that was kind of easy, frankly, a win on the road. They have these – they've had some stretches on offense where the consistency went away, and there were a couple of series worth of hiccups and penalties or a turnover or a sack, and you had to punt it away. So that's what – this game is going to be one, when you look up at the end of it, the physicality on the line of scrimmage will be a huge indicator – but consistency on all the series on offense is going to be another huge indicator here. So in order to win the game, State is going to have to win out at wide receiver. Now that's obvious when you're in the air raid, but what I mean by that is when they do give you a man-to-man, you got to have receivers that beat it, uh, make the catches, make contested, beat the guy off the line of scrimmage and go catch a deep ball when they give you those opportunities. And Kentucky's going to give you a few of those But even more so, they've got to break tackles. Kentucky's secondary corners elsewhere have shown they will miss some tackles. you got to be ball carriers after you catch the ball. You have to win out at wide receiver in this game for state if you want to win the game. You also, if you want to win, have to limit their run game. Now, you could see some examples where teams have limited – like, look at Florida – for instance, Florida had more first downs than Kentucky, 21 to 13, more total yards by about 140, 382 to 224. Um, but on the ground, still allowed Kentucky to rush for that 137, right? They averaged a little better than four and a half yards a carry, and Kentucky did that, got one special teams play in the end zone, and win the ball game by a touchdown. See, so. You know these games. You've had a couple of games where Kentucky went and ran for 300 yards. You're not winning that if you give up those kinds of rush yards in this ball game. And that goes hand to hand with getting off the field on third down. Also, that was another curious thing about the Florida game. Florida held Kentucky to one of nine on third down and still somehow lost the ball game, just because they couldn't score and they gave up a special team score. And I think the fourth thing that will help State win the game is if you can create turnovers. You know, I go back to that road game at South Carolina. Kentucky was a lot better team than South Carolina, but it wound up 16-10 to because three of Kentucky's series ended in turnovers, two fumbles and one interception. It was two different ball carriers that fumbled. South Carolina defenders just taking an opportunity to punch the ball out of there. And, you know, you create some turnovers, you got a great chance to win the ball game at home in what'll be Kentucky's just their third true road game this year. So you win on the outside, you win the yards after catch battle at wide receiver, number one. Number two, defensively, you have to limit their run game. You don't have to hold them under 100 yards. You just got to limit their run game so that they are in some situations they don't want to be in so that you can get off the field on third down and then create a couple of turnovers, and and it could be game on. But I will tell you, there's, I've talked to a lot of people that, Say they have a good gut feeling and 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 think State will, you know, put a whooping on Kentucky, and maybe they will. But what I think is if Kentucky comes in and they are who they have been this year, I think you're going to have a real battle on your hands. Um, you're going to have some stalemates on the line of scrimmage. Uh, if State is who they are, they're going to have their fair share of plays where they win the line of scrimmage defensively. Um, but you're going to have real battle. And I think one little side note, too, is keep an eye on State's offensive tackles. Um, Kentucky has had some outside pass rush at times this year that looked pretty good depending on who they were playing. And so we've got to keep an eye on State's offensive tackles. They've got to be really good because I do expect Kentucky, like most teams have done, to at you know, a good portion of the game, put eight guys in coverage, rush three, And you got one-on-one stuff going on with your offensive tackles right there. So there you go. There's a Kentucky preview on Episode 19 of the Better Than Average podcast presented by Mississippi Land Bank and MSLandBank.com. And I'll see you on the next one.